people need permission to keep talking. And so if you do ask a simple question, what else? And you can do it as much as you need to. You just don't want to be silly about it. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what else? Come on. Yeah. There's more. Yeah. I know there's more. And in conclusion, <laughs> what else? <laughs> Usually I conclude with anything else. <laughs> That's my That's favorite. That's your final That's question? That's my final question usually. Is there anything else? Right. Oh, yeah. There's blah, oh, blah. No, you can't say it that way because it's too much attitude. <laughs> okay. It's okay. like anything else. <laughs> um, no, it's, is there anything else? It's like, you know, make yeah. it nice and soft and yeah. warm. Yeah, I like that. Appreciative. What'd you call it? Appreciative? Appreciative inquiry. Appreciative inquiry. Yeah. That sounds so nice. What's inside? Discovering what you're made of and making the most of it with professional coach Ken Edwards. Helping you understand your gifts, honing your leadership skills, sharpening your natural instinct so you can enjoy a more fulfilling life. Welcome back to the What's Inside podcast. I'm your co-host, Eric Nordoff, along with Ken Edwards. It's good to be here. Absolutely. It's been a fun ride. We're on the last episode of season two. Can't believe we're here. But we want you to stick around after this interview. We have a special announcement. We do. Yeah, some good news because we have more to come. We have more planned for season three. Yes. And beyond. That's right. All right. Well, who's our guest for this week, Ken? It's this guy (laughs) I met, I don't know, 12 years ago, maybe. (laughs) Oh, it's been longer than that. Has it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I don't know, 15 years, maybe. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. It's Eric Nordoff. It's me again. That's right. (laughs) But this time we're talking about leading teams and leading others. And I focus most of the time, I'm, I'll give away a little bit of it. I focus most of the time on leading your home, right? leading in your home and your family. Which I thought that was so interesting when you went that direction because no one else had really talked about that. Yeah. And I appreciate that because that is where we spend the bulk of our time in our life. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to learn and grow Oh, no uh, kidding. It being part of your family and leading your home team, so to speak. All right. Well, this is a great conversation and don't forget, Wait till the end because we have a special announcement after this conversation. Eric, continuing our conversation of leadership, but we're going to part two of your interview of how do you lead a team? What's your experience of leading teams? I know you have a lot of different experiences in that, or maybe I'm being assumptive as you're squinting at me. (laughs) Oh, I have so many things I want to say. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to hear your experience of leading a team because we obviously in this season of uh, the podcast, we've been looking at self-leadership and team leadership because consistently that's what I'm talking with the professionals I work with about. We're really talking about how they lead their lives, lead themselves, how to get out of their own way. And then how do they care for their people that have been entrusted to them? Yeah. So I'd just love to hear your experience in that and yeah, what you've gleaned. Just like the last time when we talked about self-leadership, this actually becomes even less natural for me. This has been a learned thing as well. Just like self-leadership is a learned process. This is equally or even more so something I've had to, to learn because I'm not 
naturally in a leadership role where I am the CEO of any company. I am the CEO of my own company. I deal with a lot of contract people that I work with. I have a lot of um, people who, who come and go in my life who work on a as-needed basis with me. But even deeper than that, I think it starts with learning how to lead your family or lead with another member of your family, another leader in your family, which is your wife, my wife. That's probably where I've grown the most in leadership the hard way because I came in to our marriage being very probably overly confident as a young only child, first time married, dealing with another person who has maybe different opinions and wants to go in different directions than me. That was hard at first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it still is at I, times. I still remember how shocked I was. I'm like, you don't agree with me? <laughs> 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 yes, yes. And we'll maybe learn in future seasons more about this, but just how do I lead teams? The family is probably the number one team that I've had to learn how to lead. And done it. I've gotten to the point now where I allow other members of my family, of my team, to be who they are and not try to control. It's the number one lesson is letting go. Letting go in, I think letting go is the number one lesson in, in life. If you can learn how to surrender. Yeah. Right? That's exactly right. Your life will go actually better than you maybe, that it could go if you controlled it. And let me just say something quickly about that. You know, letting go isn't the same thing as disengage. Disengage is quitting, is stopping. It's kind of running away. It's not active. It's not active at all. And where letting go means that you are taking all your desires and expectations and longings and holding on loosely because you don't know how that's going to unfold. And you gotta, you're leaving space for other people to exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they actually, I find that they actually appreciate it. <laughs> Amazing. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> I forget about treat others how you would want to be treated. Well, that is a lesson that I thought I knew, but just continuously learning, working in a team environment. My environment is I'm working with my wife 24-7 in not just personal things, but work life. She's a songwriter. I have purposely put myself in a position as someone who has music industry experience to come alongside and be a guide for her and a, a person that gives feedback and encouragement along the way. So we work together a lot. And I've just had to learn to really see other people, including my kids, as uniquely made, uniquely wired. And I'm actually really good at adapting. Try to adapt. Always be looking for ways that I can adapt to best be part of the team. Knowing my role is largely as a leader, I many times overstepped my boundaries as a leader. I many times inserted myself in a leadership role where I maybe should have just let my kids speak or I maybe should have let Chrissy speak. And so just like learning how to lead myself, learning how to lead our team, our home team has been a process of letting go. So that's the number one thing that I would say. Another thing that I found really, really important in team leadership is being a good listener and asking good questions, asking permission 
not in a counseling type of way, sort of stereotyped, may I have your permission, please, to say this and this. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, I've never said that before. <laughs> I know, you probably have. <laughs> but I've had people tell me. And so it's sort of like when Chrissy and I are going through a, a difficult conversation, that's typically sort of maybe our default and we sort of laugh about that. But in the sense of looking for opportunities to, when you need something done in a work situation and it will take partnership with the other person, having a permission-based conversation is really, really important. So never feeling like I'm trying to control the conversation, ask more questions instead of telling other people more directly what you would like them to do. So allowing other people to, it's an art form, allowing other people to come to a conclusion that you hope will be the conclusion or the answer, but being open to possibly shifting and adapting in whatever it is you're working on together is really, really important. One of my businesses is a network marketing business. We like to call that a volunteer army that we are at the top of. We're leading a volunteer army. They decide whether they want to work or not. There is no, they know that when they work harder, typically it will produce more income for them. And when they enroll more people and do all the things that we encourage them to do, they will experience more financial fruit from that. But much of the time, I find it is a coaching and counseling relationship that I have with our network marketing team. And, but so that takes time. I have to slow down and listen and work through stuff. So it's a lot of like communication skills, sharpening my communication skills. If I sense that someone's not working hard, I can't be like, you're not working hard for me to grow my business. Why aren't you, you know, I can't come down on them like that. I have to reach out and say, I've been noticing this, this, and this. What's up? What's going on? And not in a way that's going to in any way make them feel as though I'm trying to manipulate them. I have to very sincerely have very sincere conversations. And that's a learned skill. For sure. You know, one of the things you're highlighting is leadership really is about emotional intelligence. You can have communication, but if you don't have emotional intelligence, you're not really making sense of what's going on. And so combining the two, it's like two superpowers coming together to make an impact. So, so far you've talked about letting go as being kind of the number one thing, then, you know, listening, asking good questions, really for the purpose of listening. Because I've learned in my work, if you're asking good questions and asking enough of them and listening, they'll diagnose what the issue is. Yeah. I don't have to figure anything out really, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> okay. Um, I won't. Let's um, keep that between us. Yeah, that's good. But a lot of things would be resolved if we just really ask good questions and, and listened. And good questions aren't necessarily complicated. They're usually the most simple kinds of things to ask. I read a book called The Coaching Habit. Have you read that? I've not seen it. Mm -mm. And it talks about the seven questions that are being discussed that, that a coach or a leader should have with their coworker or the person that's they're leading. And it's seven basic questions that this person encourages the leader to have and ask. And most of the time he talks about this, that it is self-diagnosed. It is not something that you have to, you just have to make sure to 
at first it's awkward when you implement these questions. Cause I did implement these questions in my coaching sessions with our network marketing team. And, and it does work really well, but at first it's awkward. Like, okay, now we're going to move on to question number two. You know, it's just sort of that, <laughs> that stiff feeling, but eventually yeah. it just became very, very naturally where I can just, if I know that I'm in a one-on-one situation, these questions are going to bring up whatever issues are needing to be resolved. And hopefully I can, that alone will help move the ball forward so I can make the impact and they can be more impactful and empowered to move on as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Appreciative inquiry is what that is. It's a whole technique of getting someone to tell their story. And basically all you're asking multiple times is what else? People need permission to keep talking. And so if you do ask a simple question, what else? And you can do it as much as you need to. You just don't want to be silly about it. Right. (laughs) And what else? Come on, there's more. Yeah. I know there's more. And in conclusion, (laughs) what else? (laughs) Usually I conclude with anything else. (laughs) That's my favorite. That's your final question? That's my final question usually. (laughs) Is there anything else? No, you can't say it that way because it's too much attitude. Okay, okay. It's like, anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, is there anything else? It's like. You know, make yeah. it nice and soft and yeah. warm. Yeah, I like that. Appreciative. What'd you call it? Appreciative? Appreciative inquiry. Appreciative inquiry. Yeah. That and sounds so nice. It's very polite. It's very British or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like appreciative inquiry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you asked, and what else? Well, that's interesting because that question, when I ask it in sessions, is really what they want to talk about. Typically, it's the second question that is asked because it it gets us to maybe a little bit of the deeper thing because the first time you ask that question there might be some apprehension it's intimidating to talk to a leader it's intimidating to talk to your superior so to speak or someone that you put in a position of being the superior so trying to take the guard down i have been told that i tend to come on strong at first And I have a very German way of approaching people, which is so stereotypical. But as you would know a German to be, they like to be direct and they like to get right to the point, you know? (laughs) So whereas maybe in my younger years, that was not hard to or very easy to, to be, I have learned to soften that. And especially in this town, this is a music industry, creative town sensitivity is much higher here in Nashville. I find it, especially in the music industry. So I can't just say that song sucks. I have to say, I have to talk about things first, or maybe have to get to ask questions about that song that will help drive them to see, oh, wait a minute. You're right. I'm even seeing it now that I missed a chorus or whatever. I always think of that as turning on the lights. Yeah, I want to help them turn on the light so they can see mm-hmm. what they're not seeing from their perspective. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So you're literally going into every room in their mind and sort of bing, flicking on the light and letting them see it Yeah, by asking those questions yeah. and probing. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I think what I'm still learning is I'm learning how to communicate in a way so that it doesn't feel to them like I'm probing for something. Like, I don't want them to ever think I'm actually looking for them to answer in a certain way. I want the people I work with, and that's how I really want to look at it. Not that they're, I'm their superior. 
if I am in a leadership role or a conversation with them or I've hired them to do something, I'm typically in the leadership role. But I care very much about their experience on how they are doing with this. Are they enjoying this? Is this life-giving to them? That's how I work well with others. I never want to be in a situation where I'm putting something on someone that doesn't want to be doing that or in that situation. It's the worst. It is. And it's probably to a fault because you can take that too far, caring too much about what the other person is experiencing and feeling, right? And that's that tends to be another area that I've learned is when I've had, I remember this very clearly, I had an intern that worked for me and it was just me that was in this situation. And he was, he would come in every day and he would work for me. And I found, and he was a strong personality. He had definitely strong views. The more I got to know him, the more strong, and I'm the type of person who wants to the person I'm working with to be enjoying themselves. Right. But I found him to be almost to the point where he was trying to manipulate me. He took advantage of my willingness to do that to so much to the point where he twisted things and manipulated things to his benefit, whereas he would do less and less and less stuff that I need. So to the point where he wasn't doing what I wanted him to do, what I needed him to do, because I had, I yeah. had given him so much freedom. You know, he's an intern. I did pay him. So I had to learn that. That was back in my 30s. I remember very clearly wait a minute, this isn't, you cannot do, this is going too far. So over time, I've learned how to balance my strengths, my weaknesses, understanding my weaknesses, keep those boundaries up when I'm working with people. And hopefully we can all work together towards a common goal and experience joy together. I'm really big on harmony. I love for the team to be harmonized. If you take my strengths, my Gallup strengths, you would find harmonies in the top five. Harmony, relator, positivity, achiever, and then one other relator type of strength. So four out of my five are relator. So that's why I'm talking about leading teams. When the way I lead teams, they're very harmonious, making sure everybody has a say in things. Well, and harmony is a good thing, but it can't be harmony at all costs. Yes, that's is the point you're kind of driving yeah, toward. Yeah. 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 Cause it can, if you allow someone too much, too much control, as much as I love them and, and still have respect for them, I, I'm still needing to move this along. I'm, it's my responsibility to move this along. This is my business or this is my project that I've been tasked with making it as good as possible. So ultimately, we need to move it along this in this way, but I, I like them to figure it out themselves if I can. Yeah. And, and with a, a work team, but it's also true with a family team, you know, setting expectations of what needs to be accomplished or behavior. If it's family, you're setting expectations and communicating those clearly. And then you're going to set boundaries and check in and follow up and make sure that's happening. Right. If it's a work environment, if they're consistently not performing then it may be an issue that's just not a good fit. Yeah. And if it's not a good fit, then maybe they need to move on. Yeah. Interesting though, in my environments, most of the time they figure that out. Sure. I've learned, I've learned sort of an art of, it borders on passive aggressiveness, 
which is not necessarily the healthy part of it right. at all. Yeah. But I'm saying that if you do this well enough, I think the person that you're leading or working with, if it's not a good fit, they should know it as well because of continuous rubbing against one another and maybe in, in a way that's not useful for either of us. Well, the way I think of it, working with some of the companies I've worked with, if you're doing a good job coaching your people, you know what's going on. Yeah. And when there's a review, no one should be surprised. Right. And so if you're doing that well, coaching them, then there is going to be a natural rub that doesn't need to be passive aggressive. It's just they're not accomplishing what needs to be accomplished or their emotional intelligence isn't good. So they're they're creating other more interpersonal issues. And you're just kind of staying current with that. You're addressing those things along the way. What people often do in leadership is they punt, they stuff it and they punt to the review process. And then they're like totally blindsided. And it's like, you've lost six, eight months. I know. And they use that as the opportunity. Now I'm going to finally say everything I've been wanting to say to them. That's the, one of the worst things you can do as a leader. Right. I've done that. (laughs) I've raised my hand. I've done that because I didn't want to deal with the issue. I just sort of stuffed it, let it go, let it go and worked around it. That's the worst thing you can do is just compensate for your own employees <laughs> rather than just deal with the problem. So there's a way to, to have those conversations as you go. It's important. Well, well, well. We've come to the end of season two, and as promised, can we have an announcement? I feel like we need a drum roll. We do. We have a drum roll. I can play something. Let's see. That's the best <laughs> drum roll. <laughs> That's probably appropriate. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, we do have something to say, though, right? We have an announcement. Yeah, we have something in store, something really special for season three. I'm going to be coaching... Eric Nordoff during season three. Yes. And so we're going to be spending this year, whole year together, which you're going to get snippets and pieces of in the podcast, but it's, we're looking forward to having a real life experience. Eric has agreed to be vulnerable and open up his life in a coaching, a legitimate coaching experience. Yeah. And so we're in the process of going through the assessments and interviews. We'll be doing a retreat before long and you'll get a peek into what it means to be coached and to see the coaching process through the podcast. Yeah. I love this. When we had this idea to do that was born out of a very sincere place because Mm -hmm. I, I have some decisions to make. I have some shifting to do. You heard in my conversations that I have a lot on my plate. I have a lot of projects going. I have a lot of work that I do, all of which I love. Part of my issues are making decisions about what to choose and what does the next 20 years look like for me as someone who's 50 and kind of this stage. So I think it'll be an interesting process. It's kind of like there's a thing on the internet called building in public where you, it's kind of like reality TV or where you open up the veil and go behind the veil and look in and see the process of coaching and hear from a real person. And I will absolutely not have a problem being vulnerable and sharing my strengths and weaknesses and fears, concerns, worries, doubts, 
all of that it, for the benefit, uh, of course, it'll benefit me, but I think it'll benefit hopefully you, the listener, to hear the process. And maybe you can relate to me in that process and you can kind of gain a lot of insight just from that. But on a third note, it's also giving them an understanding of what it's like to work with you. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's, uh, I would expect the episodes to be longer. Yes. Because we have more content to cover mm-hmm. and we'll keep it moving for you. And with the things that Eric has going on, it's going to be interesting to take a look, at, get a real peek into what happens in the office. Yeah. Which is unusual. You normally don't get to see that. Yeah. And Eric is a good sampling of what many of my coaching clients are doing because most of them are successful, but they've got a lot of stuff going on. And so it's a matter of how do you discern what's next and also how to get out of your own way. Yeah. I think what we're looking for is breakthrough. Yes. To get clarity, get out of the you know, maybe you're in a place of just not being clear or there's just a lot of clutter in the way and, and just kind of helping to clear the path and experience some breakthrough towards new things, Yeah, which I think is exciting. So that is our announcement. Season three, you can look for that in the fall. Yes. So we'll be recording that all throughout this year up until August or September. So be looking for season three, another batch of episodes, which should be very interestingly recorded because it'll be a lot different than, than maybe the first two were, which were conversational. This is going to be a little more like a documentary. I'm hoping to produce this like a little more of a documentary style. So to kind of really bring you in and, and take you along on the journey. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It will be. Okay. We will see you all in the next season, season three. It'll be here before you know it. For show notes and relevant resources mentioned in today's episode, and if you'd like to reach out to Ken to see if coaching is the right next step for you, visit ProvidentLeadership.com. That's ProvidentLeadership.com. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform.